explicaciones a ti. Yo no te debo, chico. Yo hago con mi cuerpo lo que me dé la gana y tus prejuicios me los paso por la raja. en Quarantine una vez más <risa> diciendo las verdades como son y como van All right. ah bueno <risa> so the other day I was in a work meeting and they asked us to watch this TED Talk video by Jody Ann Burry mm -hmm. and she talks about why not to bring your authentic self to the workspace okay. basically her argument is that You have all of these companies now that are saying that they're inclusive, that are saying that everybody is welcome, any and everyone is welcome to apply, sí. that they are encouraging diversity, that they want their spaces to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. And so you have people that are going, believing that, and getting hired that are like, oh, wow, this company really wants me for everything that I am. Sí. And are realizing that that's not true. They want diversity because they want your bodies in the room so that they can say that they're a diverse company, that they have diverse employees. But when it comes to what you actually have to say and contribute, and when it comes to all the things that come along with being a diverse person, mm -hmm. your opinions, the things that you see that other people don't see, when it comes to the things that you're able to call out or name, and those are critiques about sí. the people that are running whatever it is, that then it's a problem, especially when that means that might mean that they need to change things because the interest is not necessarily in changing, but in saying that there's change. Claro, mm -hmm. por supuesto. Sí, es como que te quieren ahí, pero mientras que tú no le agites la paz y mientras que tú no desafíes las maneras en las que ellos operan en el día a día. Exactly. And in being what they're saying they want, which is your authentic self, it actually hurts you. If you're truly coming and being your authentic self and it doesn't neatly fit into that work culture that they already expect, that, that already exists, that means that you're not going to be able to be upward mobile claro. in your place of work. So you might as well just put the costume on because they're not being sincere Por supuesto. when sí. they're asking for that. Yeah. So today we're going to explore that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the ways that it's hard to be our full authentic selves, not only in the workspace, which is what she's basically talking about, but just in many spheres yeah. of our lives and even social circles, how it's, it's really difficult to truly be and feel like your authentic self. Por supuesto. Sí, hoy vamos a estar hablando de cómo la autenticidad puede jugar un papel importante, pero a la misma vez afectarnos. Porque no todas las personas que nos están pidiendo ser nuestra más auténtica versión de nosotros mismos están dispuestos a lidiar con esa autenticidad una vez que esa autenticidad eh, sale y se manifiesta en diferentes formas. Para ti, ¿qué significa 
ser auténtico? Para ti, ¿qué significado tiene la autenticidad? I don't have the clearest answer for that. I think that when I hear people talk about authenticity, they are speaking about bringing the full breadth of experiences that they have into a room and into any space. So I think when people talk about authenticity, they're talking about not changing who you are or the parts of you that people see based on the situation. And I think for the last few years, especially one of the things that I've been working on is really trying to cultivate my most authentic self, which basically just means that I'm trying to figure out who that even is mm -hmm. because I haven't been able to just fully be me throughout my life. Yeah. There are spaces where parts of me are very welcome and seen and other parts of me are basically invisible. And I think that's been a lot of my experience for most of my life. So you learn how to kind of go with that But it's rare where I've felt just fully comfortable, fully seen. Sí. And I think that's why some of my friendships and stuff like that have been so important. Because mm -hmm. those are the spaces where I can access that a little a more. Sí. You know, but it's something I'm still trying to figure out. And then also, obviously, as I go through more experiences and I get older, things that have always been true for me, they're shifting and changing too. Sí. So also trying to keep track of that. And stay on top of the ways that I'm changing and the way that my life experiences used to mean one thing and in some cases are also shifting and the way that I relate to them. Claro. What about you? What does authenticity mean to you? Para mí, la autenticidad es exactamente lo que tú acabas de decir. El tú poder ser tú en cada momento y en todas las situaciones y en las facetas de tu vida que te encuentres. El poder traer contigo todas las experiencias que te han llevado a ser la persona que eres hasta ese momento. Obviamente que a medida que el tiempo va pasando, uno se va transformando, uno va creciendo, uno va convirtiéndose, eh, yo no diría en otra persona como tal, pero uno va agregando o quitando cosas de su personalidad que te van como que transformando. Porque la vida es una curva constante de aprendizaje. Entonces, la persona que yo era hace 10 años no es la misma que fui hace 5 y no es la misma que soy hoy y no es la misma que seré dentro de 5 años. Y a medida que el tiempo va pasando, el tú poder traer todas esas experiencias que han forjado la persona que eres en cualquier situación y en cualquier momento. O sea, a veces la gente cuando piensa en autenticidad piensa en cultura. O cuando piensa en autenticidad, piensa en tu forma de ser. Pero autenticidad también es la manera en la que te expresas, la manera en la que dices las cosas, la manera en la que cuando estás molesto eh, le dices a una persona cuatro cosas que tienen que escuchar. Eso también es parte de ser auténtico. Entonces cuando una persona quiere como borrar, o como estaba diciendo esta muchacha, en, por ejemplo, en los ambientes laborales, que quieren borrar esa parte, esa parte de, eh, bueno, eres negra, pero no, no lo digas, no hables mucho del racismo, o eres emigrante, pero no hables mucho de la emigración, ¿sabes? Que quieren borrar esas partes tuyas, es como, like, sí, pero tú me querías a mí completa, y ser emigrante, y ser negra, y ser queer, es parte de mí, uh -huh. so, ¿sabes? Entonces, para mí es eso, es poder ser tú, o la persona que eres hasta ese momento, en todos los aspectos de tu vida, en, en cada momento. 
Eh, dime un ejemplo en el que tú has tenido que lidiar con una situación en la que tú hayas tenido que esconder partes de ti para poder caber en un espacio. I feel like that happens so often. And I don't think it's always necessarily deliberately hiding pieces of myself. I don't know that it's always that conscious. Mm -hmm. But it's more realizing that the space that I'm in is safe in certain ways, sí. but is not claro. in other ways. Claro. I think the first thing that came to mind when I, I saw her speaking about this, because she does speak about a specific experience that she had in her workplace, was a job that I had that I started off really loving and ended up hating because of the leadership that was in place. Mm. So this was a few years ago. It was the first time that I was going to have my own class. Up until that point, and still now, you know, I will teach at different places and I run workshops and I do residencies. But this was the first time where Monday through Friday, at the same time, in the same place, I was teaching the same students. Okay. Um, it was a charter school that mm -hmm. was brand new. And so what was exciting about that for me was that they were basically like, we have nothing in place. You're going to be the first one, and therefore you can literally make it whatever it is that you want to make it. Mm -hmm. You can mold it exactly how you want to mold it. There's no curriculum already. We don't have all of these ideas about what it's going to be. You make it what you want it, right? Exacto. And they were hiring the person they were going to hire based on what felt like the best fit for them. Sí. And so I teach device theater. I've been teaching device theater for a long time. And that's what I'm most interested in. I'm most interested in hearing about people's experiences and what they think about the world and really creating art that mixes a bunch of different mediums depending on who's in the room and what their particular talents or interests are. And creating pieces that really speak to what they want to talk about and what they want to say. Uh -huh. And so, you know, we had this really long conversation about my skill set to do that and what I was interested in or whatever. And they hired me based on that. They mm -hmm. said, okay, do it, run with it. Right. So I was excited for that reason. And In the beginning, it was all great, right? Got along great with the kids. We created a really amazing rapport. And that was fine up until that rapport meant that little by little, as we got more comfortable with each other as a group, they started to talk about things that were really, really personal. Mm -hmm. And not because I was asking them to, sí. but I think because we had created a space where they felt safe enough that if things were coming up for them, they could say it and know that we were going to stop and talk about it. Not just because that's what I would do as a human, but also because that was part of the work, right? Claro. Just to talk about what it is that you're thinking. What are the things that you care about? Sí. So there was one day in particular where a lot of stuff started to come out. And I don't know, I don't even exactly remember why or where it started, but all of a sudden... I had girls in my classroom talking about how they had tried to kill themselves. And these are middle school students, like sixth graders, uh, because they hated their skin. They hated that they were black. I had 
people in my class coming out out of nowhere talking about how it's really scary to say, but they're realizing that they have crushes on other girls and they started to just like pour all of this stuff out that of course I wasn't necessarily expecting, but that I tried my best to hold, right? And I should also say I'm a mandated reporter, which means that if there is something currently happening that I think is suspicious, if someone discloses that there's abuse in their home or if I see evidence of something that could be that, I am supposed to report it. But that's when it comes to current events, with the exception of the people that were coming out, which would not be something that you would report. They were talking to me about incidents that had happened in the past. It's it's a tricky space to be in because they're children and they're talking about things that you know, are very serious and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, that are dangerous for them to be saying out loud. Claro. But it was definitely not something that I wanted to leave alone. So I didn't go into like specific details about everything that was spoken about in the class, but I did let my supervisor know like, hey, we had a really intense day where mm-hmm. all of this stuff came out. And for the next week, I created my lesson plans so that there were a lot more opportunities to sort of let things out if they wanted to. I don't remember what happened, but somebody else ended up finding out and had a really big problem with that. Um, came, sat me down, and was like, listen, that's, that's not what we're about. You're not a therapist. You're not this. You're not that. I'm like, okay, I hear that. But you knew the kind of work that I was interested in doing. It's not something that I forced. It's something that came out. Absolutely I did bring it to my supervisor's attention, Absolutely but I didn't go through line by line everything that was said. And... Most importantly, it's not something that I'm pushing, but it is something that I told you guys. So if you don't feel like I'm the person to be talking to them about those things, I'm okay with that. But then I need you to bring somebody in so that they can have a space to talk about those things. Because I don't feel comfortable knowing that they're holding this and just being like, yep, I heard it, but I'm going to pretend that Mm -hmm. I didn't hear it and we're not going to talk about it at all because... That's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I didn't have a problem with what she was saying. So I'm like, I understand how that's tricky territory. Mm-hmm. But I was like, we don't have to really go there as much in the room if you don't feel comfortable with that. You know, if you want, you can bring someone in the room that does have that sort of skill set if you feel more comfortable. But at the very least, create a space where they can talk about these things because obviously there's a need for that. Possibly. What happens? Nothing ever happens. But now I start to get fucking policed. Like, now the lesson plans that I sent in all the time at the beginning of the week were, like, being looked through super thoroughly and, like, no, you can't do this. Oh, you can't do that. Uh, Why don't you change this, right? In a way that I didn't see was to make it stronger. It was just all out of fear of, like, we don't want them speaking about anything, right? And there were so many experiences after that that felt like okay, you hired me for this thing, but now you're really policing the shit out of what it is that I'm doing with these children. And it's especially triggering because my kids are coming from different spaces than you are. It was like an all-white, all-female staff, right? All of my supervisors were coming from that place. They were very, like, liberal and, like, feminist. Mm -hmm. And there were certain things that they were super comfortable to talk about. But when it came to shit that was more real... Mm the experiences that their their children, who were mostly children of color, mm-hmm. you know, were going through, coming from 
very different places that they're growing up and stuff like that. Then it was like an issue. Now there wasn't space for that because that, you know, they went from being one thing to... Claro. They were talking the talk, but when it came to like walking the walk, they, they couldn't do that, right? I was like, I don't fucking ever want to work here again because these are full of shit. Claro. Then don't hire me because I said from the beginning, this is what I wanted to do. Y el problema más grande con eso es que la gente que tenemos en el poder, la gente que están sentados en la posición de poder decir esto se hace o esto no se hace, son ese tipo de personas. Mm -hmm. Que es la persona que supuestamente quieren cambio y quieren autenticidad, pero a la hora de verdad ser auténtico y a la hora de verdad hablar de los problemas y las situaciones en un nivel mucho más profundo, no les interesa mucho, es lo que tú dices, quieren la presencia, pero no la esencia. A mí, a mí en mi trabajo, eh, a nivel corporativo como contadora, me pasa eso todo el tiempo. So, es una cosa en la que ya yo ni siquiera le doy importancia, porque es importante. Pero yo no he trabajado hasta este momento en compañías que abiertamente digan queremos personas auténticas. Entonces, la autenticidad como tal es algo que en el, por lo menos en, la, en el tipo de trabajo que yo hago, no es algo que sea un requirement, ¿sabes? Ahora, en la parte artística, sí me sucede. Yo estoy trabajando en un proyecto, en un proyecto de música, que en ese proyecto de música somos personas de diferentes lugares del mundo, de diferentes backgrounds culturales. Cuando yo empecé en este proyecto, yo empecé con esa ilusión de que voy a estar eh, cantando la música que más adoro con personas de diferentes lugares del mundo con personas que tienen una experiencia cultural muy parecida a la mía, porque son también emigrantes, porque son también personas de color. Pero, sin embargo, yo siempre me encuentro en el desafío de que lo que tengo para ofrecer no es valorado de la manera que debería ser valorado. ¿Por qué? Porque yo profesionalmente no soy graduada de una escuela de música como todos los que están en la banda. Entonces... A la hora de yo eh, pedir ciertas consideraciones que sí se tienen con otros músicos, mis peticiones son como like ignoradas o como like le disminuyen la importancia cuando viene de mí. Y yo no sé si esto tiene que ver con el hecho de que yo soy un poco más agresiva a la hora de pedir las cosas porque estas cosas me molestan. Uh -huh. Y entonces esa molestia se proyecta a la hora de expresarme. Uh -huh. O no sé si tiene que ver con el hecho de que como no soy músico, se piensan que yo no sé de lo que estoy hablando. Uh -huh. Pero todo el tiempo me encuentro en la posición en la que yo tengo que ir más allá de lo que cualquier otro integrante, especialmente los cantantes, hacen para lograr lo que quiero. Eh, si Iván pide, y voy a decir nombre porque esto no que le cambien el key de una canción porque de la manera en la que está escrita no la va a cantar, se hace. Uh -huh. Sin cuestionar el por qué. Si vamos a grabar un video y él pide hacer un voiceover de la canción porque no se siente cómodo con la original el día que lo cantó, se hace. Eh, lo mismo pasa con Joana, la otra muchacha. Si una canción está muy baja, se le cambia para que se le sea cómoda. En el caso mío, no es así. Siempre se convierte en un problema cada vez que yo digo, esto no me queda cómodo, esto hay que cambiarlo, esto así no me va a funcionar, y, a, y eventualmente me hace lucir a mi ridícula como cantante. Uh -huh. 
y al proyecto. Pero como viene de mí, es como que se le disminuye, se le quita importancia y eventualmente no se hace. Tengo que ponerme muy, 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 muy fuerte para que se haga algún cambio y casi nunca es el cambio que yo necesito. Uh -huh. Porque entonces se hace rápido, half-ass, sin la importancia que debería llevar. Y yo veo esa diferencia entre yo y los demás. Uh -huh. No es que yo quiera un trato mejor ni superior al de nadie, uh -huh. sino acorde a lo que yo te estoy trayendo. Yo lo que quiero es un trato acorde a lo que yo te estoy dando a ti. Uh -huh. Y vuelvo y te repito, no sé por qué sucede esto. Creo que es algo muy común entre las personas de mi color. Creo que es algo muy común entre las mujeres, que sucede eso, cuando es una mujer la que hace la petición, cuando es una persona de color la que hace la petición. Uh -huh. Tú puedes ver que la mayoría de canciones que se escriben, que son originales, son hechas para Iván, ¿entiendes? Entonces, y sin embargo, Joana y yo siendo las otras dos mujeres, no nos dan la misma, ¿sabes? El mismo... Vamos a hacer una canción para las muchachas. Vamos a hacer una canción escrita para Johanna, vamos a hacer una canción escrita para Maya. ¿Por qué las canciones originales que escriben ellos, Gabriel o otros músicos de la banda, la hacen para Iván? Entonces, es este tipo de cosas que a las que, como lo decía la muchacha Jorien, cuando no cabes dentro de lo que es la cultura blanca y masculina, tienes que imponerte más para que te den reconocimiento y aún así imponiéndote, disminuyen la importancia de los concerns y de lo que tú necesitas uh -huh. para poder eh, ser exitosa. Uh -huh. Cuando yo estoy pidiendo estas cosas, yo estoy pidiéndola para yo como cantante brillar, pero también para que mi proyecto brille, pero no importa porque soy yo. Uh -huh. Entonces, en esa situación sí me, yo sí me siento en esa... que eso me sucede constantemente. El por qué no lo sé, pero mm -hmm. sé que me sucede. Yeah. And we've talked about reasons why that might be happening, right? Because you don't really know if something isn't explicitly said. Claro. A lot of the times that stuff makes you feel a little bit more like what's happening. Claro. <laughs> Because claro. you don't really know what the reason is. You know that the treatment for sure 100% is there. Claro. That is true. But you don't have definitive answers for like, what is the reason or what are the reasons? Claro. And I know that we've talked about that and it's making me think of how in that case, there are some cultural differences mm -hmm. and obviously racial differences because the leader of the band is white, right? Mm -hmm. Working with mostly people who are not, mostly people that are Latinx with some exceptions. Sí. But it's also making me think of because so many of us are used to being in positions that are similar for whatever reason, right? Not mm -hmm. so specific as yours, but in some way, sí. we're feeling like we're not getting what we deserve mm -hmm. because of something specific about us, claro. even though it's not actually being said Exacto. for us to confirm. Then there are ways that we have adapted mm -hmm. to try to make up for whatever it might be. And obviously, there's a lot of people that are just haters and whatever, but I think that For people who are coming from similar places, there's also a way where there are these lateral aggressions, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Meaning like there are aggressions or things that are happening from people that are coming from similar backgrounds as you. That might be from a good place where like they're trying to help you, mm -hmm. either because they've experienced it and this is how they've been able to adjust or just because that's what they've been told and so they're trying to like throw it on you. And I think that happens all the time. But even when it's it's well-intentioned, you know, you saying that makes me think of ways that I feel like 
I've said, okay, maybe a reason that they feel like it's so easy to dismiss you is because of what you said. You know, it comes off as a little aggressive. And even though you're fully in your right to feel that way, maybe if the way that you said it was less aggressive, they can't just be like, ah, here she is getting mad about something else again and dismiss you, right? But that's fucked up too because Mm -hmm. like why should you have to change the way that you are? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, you know, if you're screaming at someone, that's different. But like why should you have to fucking change your way of being the way that you would naturally be just to hope that what you're saying will be heard in that way. Exactamente. Right? And like it's reminding me of even when you were going through your 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 interviews for jobs and stuff, how you had your own things that you were concerned about, right? Like, oh, how am I gonna stop my hair? If I change my hair a certain way, are they not are they gonna see me as less professional, this and that, which is all shit that are valid concerns, mm-hmm. which are bullshit because they have nothing to do with your ability to do the job. But are things that we know from living in the world probably often play into decisions that people make. But I know that for me, something that I was constantly sort of putting on you, smile, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) be friendly, seem pleasant, because I know that that's a side of you, but I know that that's not the side that necessarily comes first when you're meeting new people. And for me, I'm like, I want them to see her as, a person that would be enjoyable to work with. But wow. where is that coming from? Like, how many times as women are we told to, like, smile? Right? Mm-hmm. Even it coming from a good place, mm-hmm. actually what I'm telling you is be different so that You're more you can be accepted, mm-hmm. you know? Exacto. But even outside of the workspace, even, for example, I think my queerness mm-hmm. can sometimes be a little tricky to navigate. I have many, many queer friends, but I also have a lot of straight friends. Mm -hmm. And especially when I was younger, a lot of those straight friends were the people that were my homies from like forever. You know, they were like my ride or dies and people I was super, super close to until I really started to come more into myself as an artist Mm -hmm. and my queer identity. And then, you know, I started to meet lots of different people or whatever. But... I remember, especially in the beginning, it doesn't happen now as much. It would be a little uncomfortable for me because anytime I was going to go out with my friends, that always meant that we were going to go to like a straight place, which was fine. But a lot of the times when I've been in those spaces, it's just like a bunch of thirsty ass dudes. Mm -hmm. And it's uncomfortable. It's especially, it's uncomfortable, I think, for any women that's having to fucking deal with that but it's especially uncomfortable when that's not even the attention that you want from any of like at all at all you know like I'm not even really interested in you whatsoever and I constantly found myself in situations and in spaces that I didn't fully want to be in but since I was the only queer one I'm not gonna be like guys let's go to this queer party that I know about sometimes I would but that wasn't the norm. Claro, that was claro, like claro. the sometimes, every sí. so often. And even then, I would feel a little weird about it because I'm like, oh, are they going to have a good time though? Birthdays I can think of where it's like my job to figure out where we're going to go out and stuff like that. And I really want to go to a queer party because my birthday's in June. So like all the queer things are happening. <laughs> my birthday <laughs> month, all the best things are happening. So I'm like, oh, there's this thing I really want to do. But 
now I'm in the situation where some of my friends are queer, some of them are not. And now I find myself thinking about my non-queer friends, especially my cis male friends, which is ridiculous because I'm like, oh, is this something that they would want to go to? Like, who gives a fuck? It's something for me and they know exactly who I am. So Mm -hmm. why is that even a consideration that I have to have? I would know. But it has been. No, yo me pongo a pensar, ¿no? ¿Cómo será la vida para ese tipo de personas que tienen, por ejemplo, una diferencia en su manera de aprender o uh-huh. una diferencia en sus habilidades físicas o mentales uh-huh. que no son a lo mejor visibles o sí pueden ser visibles, uh-huh. pero que empiezan en un trabajo o a desarrollarse en cualquier aspecto de la sociedad pensando que van a ser aceptados como son, pero sin embargo no es así. No sé, personas con dislexia, personas ciegas o personas con, no sé, habilidades mentales diferentes. ¿Cómo será la vida para ellos, no? Yeah, I mean, in this world that is so ableist or that's only paying attention to maybe things that are visible, it's probably that experience all the time as well, sí. I would imagine. You know, if even the things that are visible are things that people aren't necessarily wanting to address or take into account or make changes and shifts for it, then imagine all the things that they don't even know Mm -hmm. are going on for you. Exactamente. But with the visible disabilities as well, that's making me think of a time when I was a part of this really big conference where it was like a week and a half long thing that they plan like two years in advance where like scholars and activists and artists all come together to share, you know, their thoughts and ideas and their art. And I remember explicitly one of the focal points of the event was this nightly cabaret thing that happens. Mm -hmm. And they chose a space that had no elevator accessibility where you had to climb like two flights of really long stairs And was completely inaccessible to some of the people that came. That was having two years to plan. And that was even having a separate, what they call workspace, for people that identified as having disabilities, right? So it's like, they're on their radar, they're invited, they're actually coming to do specific work, Uh but they're still not considered in one of the central focal things of the whole event that everybody's, you know, going to. Things like that, that even when it's really in our face or we're kind of thinking about it, we're not thinking about it, you know? And sometimes that makes me think, like, I wonder how my life would have been different because when I, you know, when I was younger, I was paralyzed for a while. There was a point in time where I came down with a sickness and, you know, my, my spinal cord was completely paralyzed. And so I was not able to walk. And for me the doctors were able to do what they needed to do and I was able to go through the rehab so that now I've fully recovered and I walk regularly. But if that hadn't been the case, I wonder how much more of that I would have had to contend and deal with and all the people that are constantly having to compartmentalize pieces of themselves or are not fully able to bring just their whole authentic self to lots of situations because it doesn't fit in with whatever the dominant culture is or just whatever people are worried about. Sí, definitivamente. 
Pero bueno, ¿qué vamos a hacer? Tenemos que seguir luchando contra eso y arando con esos güeyes hasta que las cosas cambien. Porque al final del día, eh, el hablar y el tener estas conversaciones y el tocar estos temas es lo que hacen que hayan cambios. Y el uno poder decir en el lugar donde tiene que decirlo, hey, mira, lo que estás haciendo está mal, no me hagas esto porque está mal. Y señalar estas cosas y seguir luchando con eso es lo que nos ha llevado al poco cambio que hay. Los cambios no están siendo tan progresivos como quisiéramos, no están siendo tan rápidos como quisiéramos, pero está habiendo algún cambio. Y esos pocos cambios que han habido han sido gracias a las personas que se paran y dicen, hey, ¿sabes? Y, y se luchan contra esto, a, aunque tengas que luego lidiar con las consecuencias, ¿no? So you feel like naming it. Absolutamente. And speaking up against it is the way to change Absol that a little Absolutamente. Bit. Creo yeah. que sí. Yeah, I think at least, at the very least, being aware of it and naming it for ourselves is a step. And, you know, going back to that lateral aggression that I was talking about where there's many, many more examples of that and things that we do to each other thinking that we're helping sí. or sometimes just truly believing that, you know, that is the truth mm -hmm. because that's the way that we've been oppressed and we don't even know. Exacto. But I think stopping to recognize that that's what's happening also is helpful and not pulling other people even deeper into our, our own oppression. Claro. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well... Thank you, y'all. Muchas gracias, mi gente, por escucharnos. Y como siempre les digo, síganos en nuestra página de Instagram, latinas, guión bajo, en, guión bajo, Queering para estar en comunicación directa con nosotros y cualquier cosa, tírenos por ahí. Latinas, underscore, y an, underscore, Queering Teen. Hit us up on Instagram. <laughs> Bye. Chao. <laughs>